Hi, this is Mia. This is Tina. And you're listening to Yeah, No. This is a podcast about our experiences starting a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. Hi, Tina. We're back. We are. Um, so, things are a lot better with wine. I know. There's something liberating about f- being able to drink before noon. It's true. I already feel like I need another glass. <laughs> Good thing we have we the bottle on the table. <laughs> we haven't even started. Yeah. Well, it's nice to be back up in the mountains. Yeah, I think it's sad. This is kind of our last time because we're going to be grown-ups and try a studio next time. I don't know. If we don't like the studio, we can come back here. It's true. The dark, dingy studio. It's good. Now that we also have good microphones, it makes a little bit of a difference, I think. We're doing the grown-up moves. We're drinking wine. We have professional microphones. We don't have professional stands, but we have professional microphones. (laughs) I know. Well, the Tupperware that your microphone is standing on looks very stable. Thank you. Thank you. So, today, we're talking startups. Startups. Last week, we talked about our business. Yeah. Which is a service-based business. But this week, we're going to talk about starting a startup. Yeah. Which is a different beast. So, we'll talk about Cahoots, our startup, and um, discuss some of the challenges and issues. Yeah. Not just challenges and issues, but good stuff, too. (laughs) Good stuff, too. Yes. Yeah. I think it's good. I mean, I feel like... As we talked about last time, part of the things that we really wanted to do with this, right, is talk about our experiences. And I think that it's been good for us so far. And we should talk about what we've been doing for the last two years with this. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, we started our own thing because we had some needs that we felt like weren't being really met by some of the projects that we were working on. So we went to an awesome hackathon. MIT Hacking Medicine. Hosted by MIT. And we got a team and we came up with an idea. We pitched it. It did really well. You won presenter of the whole hack. Uh, best presenter pres- of the year. <laughs> I was going to say. It was like that in my mind because you had a trophy. Yeah. No. But you won no, best presenter. I won an iPad. Hey, where is that iPad? I gave it to my mom. Oh. <laughs> well, at least it went to good use. Yeah. And then we continued pitch it and we talk to investors. So you want to talk about what Cahoots is? Cahoots is basically a shared platform that patients and a partner that they choose, a co-cahooter, can work through their care plan together after they've been discharged from the hospital. So having someone to help you get through a care plan and just kind of support you by providing accountability? Because we believe in partnerships. Yeah, we do. We're partners. We are partners, and it helps. And we've I, also been partners with our parents in their health care. Yeah, let's... You know, my parents are here this weekend. I know. It's reminded me And they're of, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> cute when they're not your parents, I think. I mean, no, I love my parents. But, you know, as they got, got older, it just seemed... It's hard to be far away from them. Yeah. What you and I have had in common is worrying about our parents from long distance. And I think that essentially what we really were wanting to do was have somebody that cared about them 
that could give them information because when you give your parents information, they listen and it's different when it comes from their doctor or from, uh, I almost said an autobot, but an automated <laughs> bot. Uh, an uh, autobot is a transformer. Chatbot? Not a Decepticon, but a an autobot. When an autobot actually texts you something. And so we wanted to create something that was a little bit more personalized. And so Cahoots sends messages to the co-Cahooter that is helping the patient to recover and then the coca hooter sends that information on to the patient and the patient cares because it comes from somebody who they know cares about them yeah i mean i'm the worst i feel like i work in healthcare and i'm probably the worst person to think about going to the doctor or being adherent or you are the worst i know but it's not fun nobody wants to take care of their own health so it's always helpful like the other day when i was like I can't get in the doctor for two months. And you were like, just call the doctor every day and see if you can get a cancellation appointment. Yeah. Which is really hard. I know. It's really hard to do that. It's really helpful when you have someone on your side that you know and you trust and they can like help you remember to do the things because everyone, I think it's pretty common to deprioritize your own health needs. And what about that startup? We're talking about our experiences with it. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we learned was how hard it is to have a startup in the healthcare industry. You know, it's just traditionally has not been an environment that is conducive to startups. What do you think is one of the biggest differences between having, now that we've met a few different startups, we've met mostly startups in the healthcare space, but I think that... For the most part, we always hear stories about startups that are not in the healthcare space. So what do you think is kind of the biggest differences between a startup in the healthcare space versus not? I think, you know, one of the biggest things is that, you know, for startups, the model is based on you have an idea, you see an uh, opportunity and you build something as quick as you can because you're looking for investment, right? So you have to demonstrate that you've made this product. And I think one of the challenges within healthcare is that in the model of I build it, I put a beta out there, I fix it if it doesn't work, is that if it fails in healthcare, you've failed as a company. And because you're not dealing with a consumer product, you're dealing with someone's health. And I think a good example of this in the news recently has been Theranos. I mean, it's really sad. It's like they had to scale. I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it, but, you know, because they scaled at a time when they weren't ready for it and FDA came down really hard on them and probably they should be put to the test, right? Because they're not dealing with, you know, someone's music that they downloaded. Yeah. And and it's, I think that in healthcare, right, you're dealing with these external regulatory committees, right, that go against almost every grain of what the startup culture is about, which is speed and agility, first to market and that kind of thing. And if you bypass or you try to shortcut that, you end up in huge yeah. problems, which is where they are. Right. They're thinking about doing a massive pivot and, and just laid off, you know, hundreds of people. Yeah. And I think that it's hard because when you're in healthcare and you're trying to do this, people either sidestep it all together. So they're like, oh, well, we're just not going to work in the system or we're going to go straight to consumer and become a consumer app like Fitbit or 
uh, jawbone up, which is also not yeah. doing very well, right? <laughs> or we're going to work within that space and go super slow because that's the pace at which healthcare startups kind of have to go at. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at timelines that aren't two years. They could be nine or ten years if you have to go through clinical trial and you have to go through. I mean, I think that the whole system, and we've seen this time and time again, where the whole system needs to be kind of revamped. But really, is that going to happen? I mean, we're talking about it's like revamping the government. It's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. Piece by piece. But yeah. I don't think like you can say like, oh, I'm going to create this medical device and and I'm not going to go through FDA. Like that's right. just not a reality, right? Yeah. So if you haven't stepped it back for the 12 months that you're going to need to, you're going to, that, that are required to get you through an FDA process or even more, then you're a little screwed if you launch with it and it's a medical device and you haven't checked yourself. You right. Know? In healthcare, one of the biggest things is that oftentimes we're addressing a need that a person has, whether yeah. or not it's a doctor or oftentimes with us, it's a patient, right? Because we're so interested in patient needs. And it's a gap that's existing. And one of the things with startups is that they oftentimes are looking for markets. So what is going to give them a larger share because yeah, I mean, the we heard, investors we heard, are interested in that. That's what they want to know. You right? have to like, it's like 10 times the investment you have to show in right. your value cap. So I think a lot of those groups like, uh, Fitbit and things like that are looking straight B to C because mm -hmm. that's a straightforward business model that they can show return on investment. You know, the reason that they have to do that and sidestep that is because I don't think investors want to wait years and years on right. return. Right. 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 Yeah. So they're looking like the quickest path to market that yields the biggest return. And that may not be where the user need is, right? It's like, if we think about some of the great companies that we've encountered like a pill pack that delivers pharmaceuticals, you know, and has to work within a regulated industry or like, um, what was the company with the Google glass? Which one? The ambulance drivers. Oh, triage. Triage, you know, where there's a real need. Were they using Google glass and triage? Mm hmm. So what's they were happening now that there's no Google Glass? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so you didn't tell us what's happening because we haven't <laughs> talked to you in a long time. So curious minds want to know. I think it was a real transition for us to say, like, we're not leading with the technology or we're not leading with a, you know, an, an idea, but we're leading with an unmet need. Right. And that makes it much slower because we wanted to test you know, in typical design methodology, like we want to test, is there a need there? And then we were going to test it with a few friends and family to see if it worked. And now we're building an MVP where we can test the technology, right? So that took us almost two years to get to building a, a minimal viable product. Right. I guess in my mind, I don't think that the pace is the concern so much as you go out, you test your product and you realize, oh, the people that actually need this are this other set of people. And that is a much rarer condition or that is a much smaller market, which I think instills fear in entrepreneurs because it makes your product 
more concentrated. Isn't it? I mean, it's like such a weird thing because you remember when we were, when we came out of MIT hackathon, there was that investor that we had talked to who was like, if you don't have your business plan done and you haven't figured everything out in six months, you're dead in the water. Right. You know, and it's kind of like, no wonder there's so many shinny products. That's the culture of startups (laughs) is they're basically like, do it fast. And I don't know why speed is such a, I mean, of course you want to be first to market, right? And we know that there's lots of, even we've been doing this with Cahoots and there's a lot of care plans out there, right? And one of the things is that we're always trying to differentiate ourselves from what is out there. What is the value that we bring that's different than what's out there? And one of the biggest things with that is that people are constantly thinking in a consumer model where first to market gets larger percent of the market share, which I absolutely agree. But with healthcare, it's just... There are industries that we know because we've worked with a lot of pharmaceutical companies that, of course, they're looking for their therapy to be first to market. But I just don't know if it operates the same way yeah. with services like what we're providing. Yeah, it's such a bigger problem. You know, it's kind of like we, you know, we worked with a startup and, you know, they they have a product, right? But the product it doesn't integrate with the larger healthcare system and doesn't pay off within the larger healthcare system. So it was challenging to show that you were improving, you were getting someone to take their medications, right? So I think that that's another shortcoming of of startups in healthcare is that inevitably you're going to have to plug into a much larger system than just your one solution. And I don't think that under those timelines, it's really challenging to do. Right. And that's what PillPack, which you were mentioning before, does so well, right? So a company that, I mean, in the simplest of terms, puts all of the pills that you need to yeah. take in a single day into a pack that you can literally pull out of a box that's on a roll yeah. and that you can just tear off and take, right? But that's the great idea. But what was genius for them was that they owned a pharmaceutical distributor or they owned a pharmacy, right? So he- That part- was my punchline. Oh, shit. But you sorry. didn't let me finish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Go ahead and tell everyone about how they integrated- <laughs> Because that was a point that I was getting to. <laughs> Sorry. I think I just stole your thunder. I was getting there. Go ahead. No, I was getting there too slow. You're first to market. <laughs> you snooze, you lose, That's dude. True. This is a million dollar idea. Jump, I'm going to jump put it in, out there right now. Own a pharmacy. Jump in and go. Pill packed in. That's why that they're so far ahead. Yeah, it's true. They did. They plugged into every... Basically, every stakeholder or every player that they needed to, which was a pharmacy, also with doctors, also with payers, so insurance companies that were going to help support that. So it's it's kind of like you have to be fast. You can't wait 10 years, right? Because the other thing is that the industry is changing rapidly. So if we take five years to put out cahoots, it'll be a very different landscape by the time we get our little app out there. So we do have to work swiftly. But the other thing is then how do we work smartly so that we plug into the infrastructures that are required for um, something to in healthcare to make a difference and to show outcomes. And I think that's what we're struggling with right now is that we're going into um, trying to figure out the pivot 
so that we can be smart about what's the larger thing that this is tapping into. Yeah. Can we like also talk about another burning issue for me, which is what's burning that, you know, seeing the Theranos thing in the news yesterday is that I feel like some of the story is that she's a woman and she's failing. I know. I know. People want to relish in that for some reason. I know. There was that stupid article in the Wall Street Journal about like women in startups who should use their first initials or hide their gender. Yeah, M.O. <laughs> I know you're M.O., M.O. I'm just going to call myself Mo. You should just <laughs> you should just try to make as many jokes about it as possible because M.O. is actually, you know, initials for something else. So you can just talk about your secret M.O. and M.O. <laughs> That would be good. Then nobody would know. And it rhymed. <laughs> nobody would know my M.O. M.O. from Yeah, No. <laughs> Talking about her M.O. <laughs> we don't want people to know that we're women. This is why my voice is so low. <laughs> I know. We should just like lower our voices. It's true. But it's a lot of people in cartoons things are men's voices doing women. <laughs> I'm serious. Like in The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers, a lot of this women are men. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Huge. Like, Marge's voice is man, I think. Wait, that's a man doing Marge's voice? Yeah. Or it's a woman doing... I thought, is it no. women who do men's voices no, or men who do women's voices? it's men doing women's voices. Like, in Bob's Burgers, the wife, it's a man. That's so Unless weird. there's a woman named Dan Mintz. That is so weird. But Dan, I don't think you're a woman. I think you're a man. I remember being a kid and reading that book in English class called Silas Marner. Do you remember that? Did you ever have to read it? It's like classic. No. But the author is George Eliot. And then I found out George Eliot was a woman. <laughs> and I Because was she like, couldn't make it as a woman as an author. Yeah. It's true. And I just feel like for that to come out in the Wall Street Journal now, it is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, it's really sad, the state of women entrepreneurs and we always are looking to find models out there that exist whether or not it's for diagram or it's for cahoots or it's for anything else um I think even when you and I are doing house projects we go and try to see oh how did these people organize their closet or whatever it is and I think that it's really sad when we were looking for other startups that when we were looking for women in the industry that we could help to model ourselves after it was really hard and we spoke to a lot of startups we weren't necessarily just trying to be you know discriminatory but I think that we were constantly looking for people that we can model ourselves after and it was really hard to find people and it's unfortunate because in the public eye or in you know in the press, they're constantly just highlighting women who aren't doing well. And it's, we we just wanted to find somebody who was kind of doing something similar in this world. And there were so few women entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I mean, maybe the women, a woman entrepreneur looks different than Mark Zuckerberg. Maybe she looks different than (laughs) Jeff Bezos. I feel like maybe that's part of the problem is that there's been one existing model um, for how a startup entrepreneur looks. And I think it would be, it makes me really sad to think that 
young women are growing up and thinking that maybe they can't do a startup because they don't, they're not cutthroat or because they're not like an engineer or because they're, they're lacking some kind of skill that they've seen as the success model in other small startups. Yeah. And I think we either have to open that up and reevaluate what makes something successful. We also probably need more models. You know, it's, it's not going to change just based on having women based entrepreneurial support networks. I mean, I think that's part of it, but I just, because there are a lot out there and we've been to a few of those and Mm -hmm. we haven't really been super successful or really found one that we connect with, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I think that more than just even going to these events or whatever, I just feel like what we've seen in existing is that there's no, there's not a lot of places that have women at the helm that we feel like we can borrow from a model, right? Yeah, I mean, I think women at the helm, people are like, oh, she's really like, you know, aggressive or she's really like emotionally driven or something like that. You know, I just feel like that's messed up too. Yeah, but even if we, so even if we take something like Jeff Bezos or Zappos or, you know, these companies that have men, they always kind of talk or even, I mean, let's even talk about Steve Jobs, right? They always talk about, oh, these things that they implemented within the company that have made it the company that they are, right? It's like this culture, these things that are, but they don't talk about those things with like Sheryl Sandberg. They talk about how, you know, she leaned in and she gave it all yeah. and she, you know, she did, yeah. she gave a thousand percent to everything. And it's like, it's still messages of strength and that's great, but it's not messages about how they turn this company into what yeah. it is. Yeah. It's a different success story. Yeah. And I think that that's, it's, that can be super frustrating yeah. for us because we don't want to hear about how great they are because they had a family and they ran a successful business it's like tell me how you ran the business so that I can emulate those things and learn from you right right right. so that's what we want to do young women all over please get in touch with us they don't have to to be young they don't have to be young no they can be you're right here I am all women being discriminatory (laughs) against Women, young and old. Young and old. We need to hear different types of stories and we need to hear different perspectives from women who are are building businesses and doing entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so, you know, we have a lot more to discover about startups. We're going to do a pilot soon. We are. And that is going to be a whole nother set of... Yeah, this is not going to go away. So we'll keep staying updated on this issue of the startups. I think it's going to be another common, common thing that we talk about. So, you know, it was good to talk about cahoots and everything that we've learned and kind of reflect on, you know, what it takes to be a startup. Part of that is, you know, being a small company in a big, what do they call it? Small fish in a big pond. Um, And you know, some of the issues about being women, that women need to have a larger voice and a more positive voice in the I think it's a small turtle in a big fjord. (laughs) A small baby polar bear in a giant iceberg? Ice cap. What I'm hoping is that we can inspire both 
you know, young businesses who want to succeed in building a healthcare company in the startups capacity, and then also encouraging women to take a role in a very like, um, white male dominated industry on both fronts. I think both startups and healthcare are both suffering from that right now. I think to, to wrap up that thought about women entrepreneurs is that I think from both of our perspectives, we both wish that rather than having to go to these events where there are only women in healthcare or only women doing startups, we'd like to just go to an event where it's an even break, there's 50-50, where it doesn't have to be a specialized event for that. And I think that, I'm not sure if that's just about numbers or because I don't think that we do well in the environment where there's it's a specialized women in startups or women Well, maybe the conversation doesn't have to be about like, we're all getting together. Oh my God, there's turkeys outside now. Oh yeah, we have lots of turkeys. Holy there's shit, there's a gaggle of turkeys oh, coming yeah. down the hill. Do you see them, guys? There's four of them. Holy moly. They're really big. Turkeys are really big. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, Pause for the turkeys. Can we unite under a different pretense other than just like, there's so few of us, let's all get together as women? Yeah, I would love that. That would yeah, be amazing. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Because I like, I like the idea of like, hey, we have to figure this out together, right? And that we should all come together and and not be trying to exist just as a group of two people within a, you know, 250-person stage. Right. You know? Yeah. So let's have different conversations. Sounds like a plan. We should talk about what we're going to do next week. So next week, you know, I think it'd be good. We talked about our business and let's, let's talk about the differences between the two because I think we talk about that all the time. Yeah. And it's hard to keep them separate and, but also borrow learnings from each one. So that's good. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm always like, am I wearing the startup hat and I'm wearing the business hat? I don't know. I definitely wore my startup outfit today. You, you have two belt buckles today on your dress. We're it's, both wearing dresses too. It's my startup outfit. So stay tuned for the next episode of Yeah, No, the podcast. You can find us online at yahnothepodcast.com. We're also on Instagram, Y-A-H, comma, N-O. Actually, there's no comma. Not officially. Yeah, and... Thanks again for our executive producer, Sean Sean Nazari. We couldn't do this without you, this clear-sounding microphone. And also our timekeeper and support from Jen Bai. Our vocal coach. And our music is written and produced by Chess Smith. And we'll see you next week. I feel like we need our intro music. I it's like I want to hear it. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. do 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 do